Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the NOMCAST, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week, we review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course, our fellow podcasters. Check us out on the web at nomcastpod.com. Follow us on the socials at nomcastpod. And most importantly, listen and subscribe to us wherever you get podcasts. Hit that beat one time. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Dave. And join us every Thursday for a new episode of Two Player Bros, a podcast about two guys who play way too many video games. Join me and Dave as we talk about the latest in Xbox, PlayStation, PC, and VR news, previews and reviews. We have it all, and we play it all. And join us every other week for Post Game, where we play through and dive deep into our favorite modern classics and new releases. That's Two Player Bros, available every Thursday wherever you get your podcast. part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. Boom! I guess I like sports movies! Yeah, like real creepy-like. Did you notice him with his pants down? Oh, with his pants yeah. I just noticed somebody was there. Yeah. No, his, his pants are down. He's taking a dump. Is that? And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> I want to do the secret cabal stuff. I don't want. I don't want to just go oh, and drink. Still, you still got to wear a cloak and stuff. No, I no, no. I want the. Up. I want the real cabal stuff. Like I want the stuff <laughs> for controlling the world. I want the secret break. You know what? Screw that. Hello, I'm Mike Butler, and I'm Mike Field, and you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the film simply didn't catch on with audiences in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the film or maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, please feel free to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Why are you laughing during that? What's so what's because so funny? Your chair is farting. Am I, I seriously, my chair's like great, 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 great. God dang it. Fun fact, Mike. Farts are funny. Farts are funny. Farts Funnier always work than best of times. Here we, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Married banker Jack Dundee has lived his life regretting a botched play he made in a high school football game. His friend Reno Hightower, great name, who threw the pass that Jack dropped, is deeply in debt from operating his car garage. With Reno, Jack hatches a plan to reunite all the players from the old game and replay it, hoping that this time he can make amends. When the game eventually happens, Jack again finds himself at the center of a key play. This is the best of times. Apparently, Butler didn't like it. Great. Great. Because it's about sports. Butler's and anti. Don't even give me that look. I like uh, Leatherheads. I like The Replacements. I like Rudy. Although I don't like Rudy as much the as everybody re- else. Hold on. The, re- the Replacements. Do you not like The Replacements? I, I, I watched it and it was okay. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's worthy of, hey, let's watch it again. Uh, I think a lot of people dis- would disagree with you, well, but that's a of, fine. A lot of people are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you're wrong about Best of Times. So The Best of Times is a runtime of 104 minutes. It's rated PG-13, production budget of $12 million. It came out on January 31st, 1986. Great time for films. Up- opening weekend was $2.4 million. Domestic at 7.7, worldwide 7.8. So it made an extra $100,000 in worldwide. Ooh. Production budget was King's Road Entertainment. Distributed by Universal Pictures. On January 31st, it also came up against Youngblood. The, was that Rob Lowe? I might have been Rob Lowe. I'm not sure. Eliminators, Down and Out in Beverly Hills, Power, and Murphy's Romance. Do you know any of those movies? What's 
uh, I've heard of all of them except for Eliminators. I have no idea what that is. I don't know. I, I put it in there. It was a wide release. <laughs> uh, the week after, the 7th of February, you had FX. You ever see that one? He's an FX uh, creator for movies. And he's asked by Brian Denny. He's a cop. It was playing by Brian Brown. Is the, the guy from uh, Cocktail. Mm-hmm. The older guy. Brian Denny plays a cop who says they need to fake a murder. So they need him his help to fake the murder to make it look real. But then he gets caught up in like a, uh, in the whole thing. It's it's actually pretty I've good. I've never even heard of it, but FX? I'm interested. It's so good they made FX too. I'm gonna have to watch that. Movie. It's not. That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, so he also had the color purple in a wide release, and then Hannah and her sisters in a limited release. That was the seventh of February. On the seventeenth of January, oh, excuse me, on the twenty fourth of January, which is the week before, you had my chauffeur, which sounds like a porn movie. And then before that, so that was only one movie. So then before that, on the 17th, which is two weeks later, you had Iron Eagle. Woo. You remember Iron Eagle? Yeah, I do. You had Troll. You had Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. That must have been huge in the box office. And you had Runaway Train. All right. They put they stuck Freddy on January? Yeah. Even after the first one did so well? Yeah. That's surprising. That, uh, that's like a that's like a summer movie. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. That's weird. Yeah, that's dumb. Come on now. Directed by Roger. Spottiswood, I think that's right. He has directed a movie that I probably never watch again, Turner and Hooch. And <laughs> Tomorrow Never Dies, Butler, and the original Terror Train from 1980. It was written by Ron Shelton, who has was nominated for an Oscar for writing, just writing, but he did direct this, Bull Durham. He's also did Tin Cup and White Men Can't Jump. I like all those movies. Ron Shelton is, uh, is a good writer. Those were all sports movies, Mike. Yeah, I, I guess I like sports movies. Okay, calm that F down. <laughs> Cinematography by Charles Wheeler. Who has was nominated for an Oscar for Tora Tora Tora? He also did Freaky Friday, and he did Butler, a movie we did in season five, starring Bruce Dern. Silent Run. There you go. Composed by Arthur Rubenstein, who recently passed away in 2018. He did Blue Thunder, War Games, Stakeout, and Nick of Time. Edited by Garth Craven, who has done Soap Dish, Return to Me, and Legally Blonde. Awesome name, by the way. Garth Craven. Yeah, Garth Craven. Uh, Garth Absolutely. Craven. <laughs> Edited by Garth Graven. Produced by Gordon Carroll, <laughs> who has produced all Aliens 1 through 4. Um, Red Heat and Cool Hand Luke for some of those people who love the older movies out there. Mm-hmm. Cool Hand Luke's awesome. Yep. Robin Williams plays Jack Dundee. Obviously, Robin Williams passed away 2014. Wow, six years ago. He won an Oscar for Goodwill Hunting. He also nominated for the Fisher King and Dead Poets Society and Good Morning Vietnam. And he's also Mrs. Doubtfire and Mrs. Doubtfire. I'm and Peter sure. Pan. Okay. That's my and Hook. Way. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Kurt Russell plays Reno Hightower. He's. I, I'm assuming you know who Kurt Russell is. I'm going to give you some movies that maybe you don't know he was in, like The Computer Who Wore Tennis Shoes and Used Cars. <laughs> he's also in Miracle, which he should have been nominated for, Death Proof, and The Hateful Eight. He's also in like the Fast and Furious movies and The Last Guardians of the Galaxy. But he's Santa Claus now. He is Santa. Oh my god, I'm going to watch that one. I know it. I liked the first one. First one's. Like an eight, yeah, it was. I didn't okay. think, yeah, it was like an eighty. It was movie. okay. It listen for Netflix at home when I'm putting it on. I'm putting it on. I didn't like the jail cell musical number, but I liked everything else. But uh, that that <laughs> that musical number, we're talking about the Christmas Chronicles, right? I think that's what it's that's that what it Christmas means. number is like reeks of the eighties. Like that's why I was yeah. just like, yeah, okay, I'm a. <laughs> I, I listen. I like Kurt, Kurt Russell could be in the worst movie possible, and he is still good. Oh, absolutely. He is. He is. He's under. Uh, honestly, he's underrated, and he's never been nominated. He's great in that western. He, I always bone tomahawk. he's great in bone yeah. tomahawk I'm not saying like everyone should win an Oscar but like it's kind of a travesty that he's never been nominated I mean give me a break yeah all right anyways Pamela Reed plays Gigi Hightower she is Reno's wife who's looking for a divorce in this movie she is also in kindergarten cop she's the cop that gets sick and that Arnold Schwarzenegger has to become the uh she's his partner yeah. yeah yeah 
She's also in The Right Stuff and Cadillac Man. Holly Palance as Ellie Dundee. She is the wife of Jack Dundee, Robin Williams' character. She's in The Omen, Under Fire. She's in the TV show The Thornbirds. And she's the wife of the director. (laughs) (laughs) Donald Moffat, who passed away two years ago, plays the colonel. He is in The Thing. He is uh, he's also in Clear and Present Danger, Class Action. He's Don- I should have called him Donald Potomac Two-Step Moffat, for those who like Clear and Present Danger. M. Emmett Walsh plays Charlie. He's in Blood Simple, Serpico, Slapshot, and Ordinary People. And it took me the half the movie to figure out that Kirk Cameron was in this movie. Because who plays the son? That was, oh, yes. I thought it was. And I was like, is that Kirk so Cameron? So I'm watching it going, he looks familiar. He looks familiar. And then halfway through, I'm like, oh, my God, that's Kirk Cameron. <laughs> So Kirk Cameron plays Teddy. He's the son of uh, Reno and Gigi, right? Yes. Yes. He's also, he's on the TV show Growing Pains. He's also on Like Father, Like Son. And if you didn't know, if you weren't aware, Kirk Cameron saves Christmas. <laughs> Robin Lively <laughs> plays Jackie. She is, she's the daughter of uh, Jack and Ellie Dundee. She is in Wildcats, which is, do you ever see Wildcats with Goldie Hawn? Mm, I know of it, but I haven't Wesley seen Snipes. it. Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes in that? I think he is in that. And uh, Woody Harrelson. Where she coaches the high school team, it's like like oh my god, it's funny. No. It's it, it's a really good movie. Uh, Wildcats, Karate Kid Part Three, the classic bonsai cho- store tree one, and then <laughs> Ouija. Uh, Dub Taylor's in this is Mac. The only reason I have Dub Taylor in is because he was in Burn Offerings, which we did uh, a couple of seasons ago. Mm-hmm. Margaret Witten as Darla. She's in Major League One and Two, Little Monsters and Ironweed. And then I have in a uncredited. Uh, we have also another Growing Pains uh, connection here. Tracy Gold is in this movie. She plays one of Jackie's friends. Uh, but she's not credited. She's in the background. She's but, uh, one of the three gotta, that comes to the house. And yeah, so we got growing pains going on in this movie. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Show me that smile. Show, Show me that smile. I can't sing because my voice. All right. <laughs> so save those pipes. <laughs> so okay. So Butler, you clearly hated this movie. So just just hit me. Go ahead. Go go for I it. I didn't hate this movie, but I just didn't think this movie was very good. I don't think it was list worthy. I was the whole time. Are I was you watching- Hold on. Hold on. We have done over 60 movies, right? Yeah. And now you're, you're telling me that I chose the not list worthy movie. Like this is the movie you oh, no, I've, I've, there was another, there were at least a couple that I put on the list, which I we were like, yeah, I don't know. Including, which I'm not even including sphere, which we don't even, it's not, aired. Little, well, we didn't it's do not it. even aired. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I, I think this one, maybe you have rose colored glasses on, but I could be wrong. Uh, you can, you I, know what? That's all. That's what we're going to talk you can about. S.A.D. right now because <laughs> yeah, rose colored glasses. I'm really surprised that watching it again, you still like it. I didn't laugh once during this. Movie. Are you kidding me? I giggled a couple of times and that was about it. All right. Go, go ahead. Go, get, get specific in terms of, can you get specific? I mean, I really don't have, I have like five notes for this. Movie Are you because suck, so man. Like, yeah. You suck. All right, fine. Listen, we All just right. did From Hell. I filled up both my columns with notes. This All one, right. I have a couple. Maybe maybe you're too young then to appreciate this movie because this movie. Well, is, the thing. I'm, I'm 14 years removed from my high school graduation. Yeah. They're 12, but it, they're, they're playing 13. it like they're in their yeah. 40s. Well, no, they're, they're supposed to be like in their early 30s. I know they're supposed yeah. to be. They, yeah. A, they don't look it. B, they aren't. And well, C. Well, what does that do from any other movie you ever watch? Nothing. Okay. But. This whole like I need to like I this reclaim there like I I don't think anybody from my high school is there yet like it, it's not removed enough and if they were played people in their forties or it was their twentieth high school reunion maybe I'd feel a little bit more like well this is the difference between what is like now and what is like in which now they gra- is on. a note I have they graduated high have. school in nineteen seventy two okay 
when you graduate high school in 1972, you're either going to college or you're working for a living. You're not like discovering yourself. You're not living in your parents' home hoping to find, not you, but in general, hoping, <laughs> hoping to find out yeah, what you want to do Yeah, attack our millennial audience field. Do I, it. I'm just do saying it. it's different. I'm not, it's not attacking. It's a different time. <laughs> it's a complete. And yes, they have the finance. They're, they're able to go earn a living at like, you know, Safeway and be a manager and basically take care of their entire family. Yes, it is a lot easier to do that back then than it is now. I get that. But that's that. But that's the thing. You get into that routine. You get married at 22, 23. You have a kid. You have two or three kids by the time you're 31, 32. Life is like you're, the, the life expectancy <laughs> age is much lower. There is. A, I, I get it. I, I but that's but it's different living. That's uh, I have that note numerous times in here okay. that that might be why I don't like this movie. That is exactly why I don't like this movie, because <laughs> I'm looking at it going. They should be 40 or 50 and thinking it's just because, again, and I've talked it before. We talk, look at these old movies and go. I'm the same age that they were when they were filming this. Yeah. I look 20 years younger than them. You look 20 years younger than Robin Williams does then too. Thanks, and he's man. playing someone in his oh, early 30s. Thanks, man. I take care of myself. It's just like, it just, it makes me feel like when I watch these now, it's hard to place them in their age bracket. Okay. And I think that kind of affects the movie a little bit where I'm just like, I feel like maybe in 20 years, if this was the 22nd and stuff like that. And it kind of takes me away from it a little bit. Well, do you consider this movie a sports movie or do you consider this movie uh, something else? Something else. Okay, so what do you consider this movie? Because I would agree with you there. A, mm, it's a relationship drama. Yeah, it's a relationship drama. It's about it's about growing up, getting old. It's almost like a dark comedy, but not quite. It's it's a, it's there it's, yet. It's both. It's not. Yeah. I would say dark comedy in the terms of like you know people are dying. Yeah, and, I'm not grouping right. it with death, the smoochie and stuff like that. But yeah. right, 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 right. Like there's a difference. There's a fine line between tragedy and comedy, and this mm -hmm. this this is kind of like you know it's it's somewhat sad that that Jack Dundee's entire life is based upon the fact that he dropped the catch and that he's known as the guy who dropped the ball. And, but it makes absolute sense. If this was set in Texas, you would agree with this, but it would make it's because it's set in California. Maybe it's a little bit different, but it makes absolute sense that football is life in this town. And he, you know, this game, that's always a classic game versus Bakersfield. They could have won because they rarely win. Yeah. And he blew it. And like, that's the only thing he's remembered at. And it's ruined his entire life up until this point. And yeah. it's like, and I, I don't see how you can't, you, you can't, maybe you can't relate to that fact in terms of stuff that we've done years ago that has affected the shape of your life now. That's another thing that I was thinking of because when I was in high school, I, I wasn't an athlete, but I was in, obviously I was in the drama club and that's where I wanted to become an actor because sure. I was good at it because I was lauded for it. People came up to me and he's like, you were really good, Mike. And I never had that moment where, like, I flubbed our performance of, you know, Streetcar right. Named Desire and ruined everything for everybody. Cares about drama school, and then right. I'm waiting like five years later thinking about that one right. moment I embarrassed the crap out of myself. OK, I didn't have that. Well, moment. let's let's take a let's take a trip to the Wayback Machine to when Mike Field was in high school. <laughs> Senior year. <laughs> well, I played basketball for I was on the varsity squad from sophomore to senior year. So I almost I, thought you were going to say for five years. No, no, no. <laughs> Senior year, it was my last year. It was like I was the captain. I was one of the captains. And we were going to, you know, we're going to do this. We're gonna, it's, we had a really good team. Seven games into the season, I break my ankle. So I go up for a rebound. I come down. I, I twist the ankle. And then someone steps on it as oh, it's twisted. Oh, I think you told me yes, it, yeah. And it breaks. So, and fun story, when I'm in the, when I'm in the, this was, at, this is, I broke the ankle at four in high school. I, I played for Notre Dame West Haven in the area. Uh, when the locker room, one of the guys there, one of the soccer coaches grabbed my ankle and he's like twisting. Yeah, it's hurt. I'm like, it all hurts. Stop doing that. <laughs> so anyways, broke my ankle. I had to have a cat. I had a cast on for two or three weeks. And then I, I we took it off early and then I had to rehab it every morning 
uh, at the West Haven High School gym, like with all the old people running around with a weight belt. I'm sitting there running it because I wanted to come back that season. It was just like it, the original doctor we went to was like six to eight weeks. And I was like, that's the whole season. Then we went to a sports doctor and he was like, you know, we can we can get aggressive with it. And we did. If I wasn't able to come back, I was able to come back. I lost my starting spot, which is ridiculous because I was better than the kid that was starting. But anyways, I came back. <laughs> Uh, I came back for the playoffs and stuff like that. So I came back and, and played towards the end of the season. In the end. So, but if I wasn't able to, that would have probably, I would have been upset mm -hmm. for a while. Maybe not now, but I think that would have affected me for years after the fact, because it was my final year. I mean, it was essentially the last year I played uh, basketball. I didn't really, I went off to college, but I didn't really, really, I got, I kind of like soured on it a little bit. So I kind of like wasn't as big on it as mm -hmm. I, I was back in high school. But if I wasn't able to come back, that would have affected me. And so I can completely understand how one thing in, in, you know, in high school, when like a lot of people say like you peak in high school kind of thing, like, mm -hmm. so, like that, where you don't want to, or, or let's put it that way. Sure. Like, you know, I can understand Dundee's frustration and angst and just depression about like what that did to him. Um, that being said, would you be as pathetic as no, him? No, 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 absolutely. Because I, I mean, I kept thinking, one of the things I kept thinking about in this movie was like, well, just move out, move out of the town. Why just stay? Why just stay? Like they don't really set up like how, when he got it with his wife and how long they've been together and where right. she met her and all that stuff. And it's a little funny that, you know, his, his father-in-law who is, is the guy is, is a Bakersfield guy is the rival town. Right. So clearly he, I don't know how, like he, you know, got together with a, a, a daughter of somebody who was from Bakersfield, but regardless, because the Colonel, his, the name, this is Donald Moffat's character. He's always ripping on him saying like, Oh, you know, make fun of him that he can't catch anything, that kind of stuff. Well, that, and he's also pathetic. <laughs> That's wow. the thing is like, I didn't get enough of that. It was the throw that made him unlikable, that it was his obsession with the throw that made him unlikable, that no one cared about the throw except the hit for him. Well, Cause he always brought it up. He, he always, just brings he, it up that no one likes me because of the throw. It's like, no dude, no one likes you because you keep bringing up the throw. No one well, gives a shit. Because anymore. everybody talk. Well, no, but that's not true though. Everybody talks about it. Like for instance, when he goes to the garage, and Reno throws him, he's going to throw him the keys. The keys yeah. And he doesn't like that kind of stuff. But you only get that a couple. I, maybe I need more of that though. And he's just so pathetic. About, like he's not, I, and I love Robin Williams. I love Robin Williams a lot. He's super unlikable in this, which oh, no I think way. Is, is really hard because it's hard to not like Robin Williams. And he's he's not likable and he's a bad guy in this. Well, that kills me that you didn't laugh at anything because that's one of the lines in this that I, I've highlighted is when at the end of the movie, when he when nobody wants to play the game. And right. so then Jack gets in his head to dress up as the Bakersfield mascot or something. Like yeah, that. the yeah. math, the tiger and paint the town orange and like throat. And he goes into like the. Reno's wife who wants to leave him is singing like they're entertaining everybody in, in, in like this local bar mm -hmm. and he throws paint on them and like they go back to like they're like it's the not the Elks Lodge but the what do they call the Moose Lodge the Moose Lodge yeah like they're they're kind of like the fraternity where organization right. where everyone belongs to and it's been trashed and that kind of spurs them to like go play Bakersfield to get you know everyone let's go let's go and he reveals it at the end because they're playing bad because he knows that Reno only plays is his best when he's a prick. Right. He says that and he, he's got it. And if he's going to make him mad, he's got to make him mad at him. Like, so it's, it's a calculated move. Camera of the lines on the field or it's in the locker room, but he tells him like, you're a decent human being, Jack. You're just full of shit. Like he tells him that, that line. No, he tells him that at the bar. Okay. Right. He tells him right. at the bar. He makes a big scene. Yeah. Knocks over their whiskey glasses. There's a shots. And he goes, he yells at him and he goes, you're a decent human being, Jack. You're just a piece of shit. He's full of shit. You're yeah, just, full just full of shit. shit. Yeah. Always full of shit. Yeah, exactly. 
Like that, that I like that line. I like, like. There's a lot of lines I like in this. I movie. thought that's a good line. Yeah. I, I didn't think it was a funny line, but well, I, thought I thought it was. I I really like that Reno finally like told him. Yeah. One thing I do really like in this movie is that Reno and Jack are are friends. Yeah. Jack's a banker with a business suit. Reno's a guy who works with his hands in a shop, and they went to high school together. They both lost the game, but they're friends. And every other movie you see, they'd be making fun of each other. They'd be right. like, "These guys are at odds. They've yeah. been at odds for twelve years." And they're friends, even though they're yeah. different kind of. I mean, I know Jack doesn't make a lot of money, but even though they're kind of in different positions. Well, he's in a bank, right? He's a banker. Yeah, he's he makes money. The head of the bank. Yeah. yeah, he makes money. Although his car keeps breaking down, he doesn't pay a lot of well, money for it. Yeah, that, his he's credit cheap. Card he's cheap. Well, his credit card also doesn't work. Uh, that's true, too. That's true, too. You're right. Well, but, but I think you get a sense of that with the wife because she's always coming and asking for money. That's true. Yeah. And he just gives it to her. He, he does whatever she wants kind of thing. But, and, but, and, but she's not doing it in a way where she's that kind of person. Oh, yeah, she's yeah. not unlikable. But I do like that Jack and Reno are friends from the get-go. Right. And that they've, they've remained friends. I like that. Well, the decision to have Robin Williams play the Jack Dundee character as almost like a nerdy kind of guy with the glasses, I, I, I didn't understand that. But it, it, because you could easily go the other way um, in terms of like them not liking each other or they're exactly, they feel like yeah. he cheesed them or whatever, but he was on a football team. But I do like the fact that both characters, both actors, Kurt Russell and Robin Williams, both played high school football. So they, they, you know, they actually look like they play the game. You know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, granted, it's not like this is the other thing I like about this movie is that I'm really kind of getting tired of everything on screen being perfect. I'm really getting tired of everything on screen just being manufactured and it looks great and everything's perfect. And I like all the, you know, it's a dirty movie. It's a movie that's like it's not like it doesn't look great i do like that the town is very unique looking his yard his is yard a complete is disaster gross. zone yeah the oil rigs in the back the yes. lighting is always natural when yes. they're outside i do like a lot of that even when they're in the football field it's just the football lights lighting it there's it's no a, like special lighting or right like that. and and there's a rough element to the movie that i like and i like the because i i it just grounds me there it puts me in the 80s it puts me in that spot it's, you know, when it starts to rain, it gets all muddy and they're just, when Jack comes out because he hasn't been allowed to play in the second half, everyone's muddy. He's all bright white he's right, in his yeah. uniform, <laughs> like that stuff. Like I love the, I love in the, in, in the game when, when they're talking about uh, Dr. Death's on you, Jack. And he, and he's like, I thought he was in jail. Oh, he's on parole. Parole. Like, like that stuff. Like there's stuff in there that like when their star running back on Bakersfield gets hurts his knee and he's just like, oh, and then all you hear in the back is like, call my mom. Like, like, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Like I stuff like, like, I like that. when they put him on the gurney and the gurney falls yeah. while he's on it. Or like when Jack Falls starts, if you don't know football, it's when I he, know, okay, I know football. There you go. So when he's like <laughs> sitting there, he's like on four, on four, on four. And he's just like, ah, he's <laughs> he still runs, running. I did laugh, but he's that like, was one I'm of the open, parts I I'm open. Like stuff like that. Like there's like little moments in there that I enjoy. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you, little man. <laughs> and the fact that they both love football so much that even when they're going to try to make nice with their wives, He's trying to watch the Monday Night Football game while they're doing that, like that stuff. Like it's 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 stupid. I understand what you're saying. Jack is unlikable, but like Jack is is almost the creator of his own problems. Yeah, he can't I, get out of his own way. I like that scene until he dragged the TV into the living room, and then it was just like, that's not even clever anymore. Now it's like yours. That's this is he's pushing now. it. But it's, that's the thing, though. He's not smart about it. He's pushing it. Yeah. The he's, other thing I didn't like is the typical. Within that scene, sorry to interrupt. Sure, no, no, you're not. Absolutely not. Is the beginning when they're going into the house. I hate that trope, which I, I don't see as much of anymore, but it's like, well, if we can't talk about this, what are we going to talk about with our wives or girlfriends or significant others? It's like, 
how is that you how do you not know how to talk to your 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 spouse or whatever about you can only talk about one topic why are you married I, that only happens Here, in movies here's here's the thing but here's the thing about when you get married okay and you start and you have kids and you you, you get into a routine now you just you talk about the same stuff and you know it's some sometimes it, you know it creates it wears thin sometimes sometimes you know i get it i completely understand that listen I've been with my girlfriend for over 15 years. But now. you're not married with children. There's a difference. You guys are you guys. You, there's a difference. Well, listen, I'm not saying have kids, but if you ever decide to have children, it, it, there is a routine that develops, especially during school time. So they can't talk about anything but sports. No, so now they can't talk it's not about that, anything. Because think of it like this. Think <laughs> of it like this. You now granted, you guys are not like this, but let's, let's put it in their world. They all they both work nine to five jobs during the week. They work, they get up, they go to work, they come home. The kids are in school, they come home. When they come home, dinner's ready. They sit, how was your day? They talk about dinner. They watch TV, whatever. When you come, when they come home, they want to watch football. They watch football every Monday night. Monday night's football. They go out and have drinks with their buddies at the bar every Monday night to watch football. You know, like that's at week after week after week after week after week. Like that's what they do. And at some point, if you're in a marriage for 10 years, it, if you don't address it, if you just kind of like if you're not actively trying to make sure that you're not getting in a routine or not being stale, it, it wears on you. It does. It does. Listen, that being said, I love my wife. That is not a problem. My, my marriage. There's still, there's still Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday back then, Friday, Saturday. I get you. Well, there's no Thursday football back then. But That's yeah, what I, I say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you. I, just, I understand. I, and it's not just this movie. So I, I don't blame the like. That's not a reason I don't like this movie. But I just it's something I just keep noticing is like a trope now that I'm sure. getting older, like. I, I don't get it. Like that Seinfeld episode. I always think back to that Seinfeld episode where he, he gets engaged with Janine Garofalo and they talks about like the back of the cereal box. because yeah. They no longer know what to talk about. Oh, yeah. No. Engaged. See, I, like, I, I don't. I, get yeah. that. I always think about when uh, Kramer gets a job or they get a job and he's just like, what would you do today, baby? Oh, how would you do? It was something like that. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, there's two things I want to bring up. There's two lines I want to bring up that I forgot about. Well, I didn't I didn't even remember. But there's two lines in this movie that come that predate other two movies. OK, so. When Jack is talking, so Jack pays to be with a, uh, I guess, a prostitute, Darla. Yep. But just to talk to her, like I said, they don't really ever get together. They just talk. Yeah, he, he just gets in, naked in her bed. And, and yeah, exactly. But he says, he says the line, "I'm not a husband, I'm a never was." That is before the Mighty Ducks line. I, I always remember that line from the Mighty Ducks when he tells me, "You're not a husband, you're a never was," and I'm like, I always like that line. But the fact that this was in this movie, and that's what six or seven years before that movie, maybe even longer mm -hmm. that I have to give the nod to this movie about that. And when Reno goes to, well, he doesn't say I'm, a, I'm not a husband. I'm never what he goes. I aspire to be a husband. Well, no, 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 I know, but that's the beginning it's of the line. Similar, it's the same line. Yeah. And then when Reno goes to Gigi's hotel room and he stands outside the door, he starts singing close to you. And that's exactly like the scene in parenthood. when Rick Moranis sings close to you to his wife in the classroom to try to win her back. Mm -hmm. Like it's a kind of the same idea. So I have to give credit to this movie again, too. I'm just saying Butler was done before it. It's before it's time. That's or maybe they're saying. both just very generic ideas. They, they might be. But but you don't you're going to tell me that maybe they, the writers that wrote Parenthood and Maddie Ducks saw this movie and was like, oh, I kind of like that. Let's use it. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. When it's, maybe. I'm giving it to respect because it was first. I would wonder if I'm not a husband. It's a never I'm a never was is actually a much older line. than Ooh, that. Though. I would. You know what? If it is, let us know. Writers write us in and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you didn't like this. Well, I can't believe you didn't like this movie. That's fine. It's got a 31% on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. I am not the only one. Um, uh, uh, Breaking news. I don't give a crap I, what it says I, on I Rotten Tomatoes. I know you don't. But when not, I don't I'm like, am I the only one? Going into this, I was like, am I the only one? Well, I Butler, don't. Scott Weinberg. 
of <laughs> efilmcritic.com back in the day. I know he's on he's on Twitter and he's over he's everywhere else. Wrote, quote, forgotten by most, yet seemingly adored by those who choose to remember it. The best of time stands in my book as one of the truly great sports comedies. Mr. Weinberg, very smart man. Are you, are you telling me you're you're going up against Scott Weinberg? Yeah, I guess. Are you kidding me? I guess I am. He doesn't listen to this podcast. I stand but my did. I'm he gonna stand up right my now ground. Getting... <laughs> All right. Do you like the beginning of the movie? Uh, the beginning of the movie. Do you think there's the a better way to Moron, introduce California? everything? Yeah. I like the fact that it was called Moron, California. I, I like that, but I was bored the entire time. I thought the monologue was way too long and way too boring. I like the introduction of the boxer because I like how it ties in at the end. Yeah, Kid Lester. With the kid, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it because I think I maybe, it was a little too long. Here's the thing. Would you have minded it if it wasn't Robin Williams tempered back? Because this is Robin Williams, not full-blown Robin Williams. This is Robin Williams kind of a little tempered Robin Williams. One of my notes is this is Robin Williams playing an early version of Peter Panning. Well, this when is Robin he's w- in Hook and he's playing the nerdy kind of right. Like that's a tone. Like he's still Robin Williams, but he's just yeah, he's toned he's like down. Clark Kenting it with yeah, the glasses. Exactly, yeah. which might be it. Might have been his choice. It might have been the director's choice. Who knows? But I'm saying, would you have preferred a manic Robin Williams in this role? Would that have affected? So here's the thing. I'm saying there's a difference between would you have preferred it or would it have affected the movie more? If you put the manic Rob Williams at the beginning, I would. It would have been a more watchable montage. Okay, but it wouldn't have matched with his character in the film. Nor would I have wanted a manic. You know, making Jack manic, Robin Williams, which I don't mind at, at all. It just doesn't fit this movie. I don't think it wouldn't fit the character of Jack. So if I had that in the beginning, I yes, I'd be more entertained, and maybe I would see it as this is Robin Williams introducing the movie, and this is Jack. Yeah. Or I might have seen it as, well, that's not the Jack that told the start of the story. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. It it might have made it for a better opening, but a worse movie. Okay. All right. Um, I just think maybe if they showed more of the town, maybe if I saw more of the town other than, you know, Reno's place, the inside of the bank and well, you see, you see the, the trailer the, park. The lodge. You see the bar, the other bar. the. But you see them painting up the town and making the town all nice, but you right. never really got to see it too run down to begin with. You never got that. I, let me see the town. And then let me see them build it up. Right, right. Have Robin Williams do the montage where you see maybe some old pictures well, or you, clippings. They somewhere. do that with the um, movie theater when the movie theater is boarded up. Yeah, when they're up, fixing stuff up and, and the, yeah. the magic rocket pumping out that acrid, probably poisonous green smoke. Oh, yeah, it is what that they run through. Yeah, <laughs> come on. Uh, the fact that Robin Williams is running in jeans at some at one point, I was like, what? <laughs> I can't believe you didn't like this. I can't. Um, well, I didn't hate it. I just didn't. Like I understand. It. Listen, I'm not uh, going to tell you it's a bad movie. Did you like, did you like Kurt Russell in it? I always like Kurt Russell. No, so. I thought it was gross when he puts that needle in his knee. I'm like, Oh, I wasn't, a, that's a quick shot. Look at, I also wasn't expecting. Well, that. clearly he had, he must've had ACL surgery. He must've like tore his knee up because yeah. that's how it was. Like they, so those two, those, um, those scars right there, how they used to do ACLs in the past was they would actually do a slit down your knee and pull it completely open. And then go in there and do what they needed to do. Now they do it arthroscopically because I know because I had it. So I absolutely can know that that's what it is. Like that's how it was. I didn't realize that because when they sh- you first see Kurt Russell, you're like, wow, he's big, heavy. But I think they had him wearing padding because obviously they all get in shape. Oh, do uh, you think it's padding? Yes. Okay. Because when you see him later on, uh, you, you when you see him later on, he's like toned down. Like the, the wives are like, oh, he looks so good. Like because they've been working out. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I thought that because like he had. 
I, I wouldn't say he was huge, but he did have a little bit of in a the poosh. beginning. Yes. Yeah. And I was but like, that's not there anymore. That's interesting because this is back when he was doing like Big Trouble in Little China and stuff like that. He was ripped. Yeah. Or 80s ripped. And it was, <laughs> it was naturally like, ripped. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And it was like, so did he like do this real quick and then go, okay, now I'm going to run real quick? No, I think they just but, yeah, they added it on. That makes there. sense. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So I'm a Jets fan. And when they're wearing the all white uniforms when Reno comes on with the white shoes and everyone's like, Oh, he's got the white shoes. That's supposed to be like Joe Willie Namath. So Joe Namath, the quarterback oh, okay. since in the sixties, you know, he was obviously won won them their only championship, but he used to wear white shoes all the time. So that's kind of where that kind of comes from. I didn't I know kind of like, cause I was wondering there. that. Yeah. Cause I was like, and they all see the white shoes. I'm like, that's such a small detail to notice. Well, again, they're it's all a small out, town yeah. and they, okay. they love their football. And, and I, I completely, I can I can understand the love of the football game. Now you know the fact that Jack's te- the fact that Jack tells everybody that or his big pitch to everyone when he talks about this is how it's going to revitalize the town. They're just like you're and full it of it. You're full and of it. it does. does and they're and the wives are in the bathroom just like he was right. Yeah, that's right. the one thing about the whole movie. The whole movie, the wives the entire time are trying to be mad at him, but they're right the entire time through. Right. And they all they're all their dialogue is oh man yeah. Although I never felt that there was any tension between that divorce ever happening once. Once the football game started and she was like, oh, he looks good. Oh, I want to I want to be like you knew that like it was pretty much immediate that they were together again. It was never really in you, question. That that well, was, I I think that that was the kind of the idea. Like she does this often like, just to get the attention. Well, oh, yeah, you get that other than the divorce. Right. But here's the thing. She says that she's going to go take her shot. She's going to go to L.A. and sing. She's going to do it. And she says it all the time. But then she ends up at the local bar singing. And, and it's just kind of like, is that part of that? Like, oh, she's always says this and then she does that. I do uh, like when Kurt Russell reads the divorce note for her when she can't read the notes that she wrote. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, she's that's the other thing when he's like, she's never said the word divorce before. And then Jack shows up because he's talking about his car and he's like, he's like, this is how much is your car is going to cost? Like, you know, how, how can I argue with you? You just got divorced. Like, exactly. <laughs> you put Stop. me in an emotional position. I <laughs> Yeah. Um, but something that's not addressed is also the fact that, uh, you know, Jack's not technically cheating on his wife. But he is emotionally cheating on his wife. Yeah, the the prostitute just disappears. She shows up yeah. and then she's there at the the bar, and then she and she leaves. And I think she's there at the bar to kind of give you that line when he's like, "Hey, how many touchdowns did I throw?" And she's like, five. And then he tells Jack later on, like, oh, "Christ, it's probably going to be eight soon." It was three, <laughs> but the kids told me it was seven. <laughs> and I keep saying yes, and it does become eight later on. Yeah. He goes, Oh, those eight touchdowns, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I like and he, and his whole point is like, and I don't want to lose that because if I play this game, he's afraid of losing that mystique and like that said, lore. Yeah. yeah. And then and I completely understand that. You know, like that that's the thing. He says that he wasn't that good as everyone keeps saying, but he likes hearing it. Right. Yeah. Right. No, you know, so I think there's a lot of stuff in there. I think there's a lot of little truths in this movie that maybe they don't necessarily for you, anybody else, don't really connect well but i think maybe just my experience maybe being a little older i i I hate to throw that i hate to put that out there like saying like you know all my experience and you know i've been around but like i understand that feeling or the what they're saying and that that regret regret and that maybe you know fondly looking back on your high school years that kind of thing like i I understand that i guess i don't look back i mean not like i I never look back fields (laughs) not that i had like a bad you know, time I got in you. high school and stuff, but like, I never felt it was super important. So anytime I see, I have a movie where it's like, oh man, nothing will ever beat that time. 
you have like 30 years after you graduate college to make it something of yeah, it. But some people like, don't do that. Yeah. Well, they're called losers. Jesus, man. But <laughs> they're sorry. But their story needs to be told. I have people that are still like that are like that. They just keep bringing up high school and they weren't really popular. And right. they weren't really like, I just like high school, man. Remember high school? It's like, yeah, it was four years. What about it? And I was like, I, I don't get like, good, those weren't your glory experience. days. You never had glory days. I don't know why you keep looking back. <laughs> Look forward. I, I guess I just don't get the whole, I need to keep looking back constantly. I understand. I, I understand that. And I agree with that. I, I, I also think that, you know, some, some stuff you did back in the day, you know, you might've been, it made sense. Like, you know, like you might've been ahead of your time. You might have great ideas back in the day, 10, 15 years ago. And you suddenly lost them. Doesn't mean that you can rediscover them like that kind of idea. Yeah. I don't think looking back necessarily is bad. I think that if you live in oh, the yeah, past, yeah. Just that's when you, that's yeah. when it, it is a it is a slippery slope when you start getting you know reminiscing about or not reminiscing but looking back on the stuff you did. It could affect your present and your future. Absolutely. That being said, there are more there are different types of people than me and you, and so you know, like I I understand I know people like like you said you know people like this like yeah. I understand I mean. I hate to do this again, but being somebody who who writes, being a writer, like it's many writers' job as mine to kind of not always try to write what how I would be in a situation or how I respond to something or my mentality, but also how people, other people respond. You know, like we talk well, about that. all the time. You gotta do like, that as an actor. We talk about all, okay, uh, uh, apologies. Right. Yes. We talk about all the time that, you know, like, oh, I hate people. We hate people. We hate people. But it's like, you still gotta understand them because you may oh, get yeah. a role as somebody who's like some basic dude who doesn't understand, you know, how the, you know. I get it, which yeah. is why I call them pathetic because I understand it <laughs> and it's kind of pathetic. But you don't, have, oh, come on, man. These are people. You don't have any, so you, hold on. So you have no emotional connection to Jack or Reno in this movie? You think Jack's a loser? I have more of a connection to Reno than Jack. Why is that? Reno constantly tells Jack why he feels the way he does and why he is the way he is and what he hopes for and why he doesn't want to get in the ballgame. Jack is a one-note character who's obsessed with this catch that no one else seems to be. We, we keep getting told that everyone's obsessed with it, but we never really get that other than one joke or one or two jokes slid his way. And he's just the creator of his own demise constantly throughout the film up until he's lucky enough to slip past Dr. Death. Hey, he had uh, the move. He did his A move. Yeah, he should have been doing that move earlier. It doesn't work unless you set him up. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets that one catch that redeems himself. But that's it. And, you know, he, he does finally tell Reno that he I do like that. He tells Reno that he was the tiger and he doesn't just get found out. But. Right. Yeah, I just don't think. But he tells Jack's. him for a specific reason to win the game. Oh, to make him, yeah, saying. dick. Yeah. But basically to make him a leader. But it's just like, ah. Well, you can make the case that, let's say, eight months, six months after this movie, like the, and the time of the events in terms of their characters, that Jack is going to do something again that's going to either put his marriage in jeopardy or his livelihood. Like, he, yeah, they won, but. What's he gonna do? Talk about it all year on how they beat Bakersfield and and, and rub then it. he's gonna be that guy, yeah. That just rub it in. About his one yeah, glory and thing. they're and they're gonna be like one time, one time, one time, and they're gonna have another game like stuff like that. Like it's not. What does it change? It's not gonna change anything. You can make that argument absolutely, but I would say with Reno is that they completely blow over the fact that he's an artist. Like he's somebody who is extremely good at 
creating art because he, he he spray paints the stuff on. I the, love the words Van Gogh. I, I thought that was really. Cool. He, but he but he he does all that. Like right. That's no, his, yeah. It's not like they act like it's a garage, but it's also not that. It's a detailing garage. He does. He like, does it all. Yeah, yeah. Right. But like, so that's something that you completely like because he has really. He, he's obviously he's not Kurt Russell, but he is extremely talented and he doesn't kind of associate himself with the football store. He likes the attention, but like I was waiting for him to tell Jack when he, you know, why don't you want to play anymore? Where he was just like, I didn't like football anymore. Like he never, I was waiting for that. Right. But he does tell Jack he's happy where he, and he tells his wife, I'm happy where I am. Yeah. I found something I'm good at and I really like it. Yeah. But he's not making a lot of money off of it. Not in that town. No, but it's still, I think that's why I like Reno a little bit when I think we focus too much on Jack, maybe. Yeah, I got you. Well, it Jack's this it's Jack's movie. Yeah. It is it's Reno is I know they bill it as two main two leads, but No, it's it's probably gonna be a the little bit more Jack. Yeah. Jack, yeah. I mean Reno's along for the ride, but Reno has a more sensible approach in terms of like when we talked about the scene when he tries to watch the Monday night football game and Jack's the one pushing the, the envelope Going and Reno doesn't want to yeah. do it. And he's just like, no, 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 you know, and then that kind of leads to the bar fight when they, they blow up and he yells at him, you know, and even like Reno goes to the, the moose guy, the moose lodge guy, M.M. at Walsh and says, he's going to tell you I'm in and I'm, and I'm not. Out. Yeah. Like stuff like that. Like and Jack blackmails him into playing the game to begin with. True. Well, he, yeah, he tricks him. Oh yeah, well, you're right. He says he owns dead. He's gonna on, yeah. yeah. He's got the mortgage on the garage, and we can refinance. Right, right, right. If you were to play, yeah, absolutely, and yes. So I have another question for you. Ooh, okay. So as you say, I'm not a sports guy. Oh, I forgot to. Why do they wait until the last second of the fourth quarter? I mean, I know it's a movie, and they have more timeouts. They only use the one timeout. They never used any other timeouts, Mike. And I know football. I might not be obsessed with it. But you use your timeouts when you're all behind like that. You do, but they might not have. They might have already used. You might not have seen it. Also, it's a movie. They, yeah, they conveniently well, timeout. Well, they, the, the other th- <laughs> the other thing that a lot of people won't know in sports, and I know they keep showing the clock going down. So, well, when he throws the ball to him to catch it, and they yeah. keep showing the clock like three, it doesn't really matter if the clock runs. That's out. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. It could go to zero. You just, you just have to get the playoff. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Robin Williams has a quote where he talks about how, you know, maybe it wasn't a good idea to have a Canadian director direct a movie about American football because he doesn't know the rules. Like Roger Spottiswood, Spottiswood is a Canadian filmmaker. So, okay. th- but to be fair, they have the CFL. So, I mean, I, I don't know if it was in the 80s, but they do have Canadian football. So, I mean, they, they do have the, the, the game up there. So, yeah. but agreed. They, but, but that's not just this movie. A lot of movies like to do that. I know in hockey you have to get, you, it has to go in before the, the zero. Yeah. Right. I get that. But in, but in a lot of football games I always see that and they the keep showing the clock and I'm like that doesn't matter. <laughs> I didn't mind that, although I was thinking the same thing. There, everyone's like, zero. It's like, but he's still going. Yeah. And if you notice that when he <laughs> catches the football, when he, he, he just catches it and it goes around his back, yeah. if you look at the ref behind him, the ref is about to put up the touchdown and they cut and they cut back to something else. I can't remember where they so cut to, to and, run. and then they cut to him again <laughs> running and then the ref puts up it's like uh, you were just about to call it we didn't have enough field yeah, exactly so they do kind of but that's you know again I mean, that's mostly the time out yeah. there that I was just like come on my big thing in sports films is I just want people to know how to play the game I don't I, I can't tell you how many times I watch a sports movie like a baseball film or basketball or football where it's clear the actor doesn't know how to play the game and like when they recover the fumble and he's not touching the ball. He he gets up when that is a little weird. He gets up and he leaves it there. Yeah. He would you would still hold it. But regardless of that, like that that bugs me. Like I 
it's all the time. I hate it. I hate when I see like people who don't know how to play baseball and they're in a baseball movie and like they, they feel the ball in front. I'm just like, come on. Like, or when pitchers don't know how to pitch, I, I hate it. I, it's just such a big. You can't get an amateur pitcher to show somebody for 20 minutes a day for a week right. to show how to do right. it. If, if, if you, that's the thing. Like, you know, we have actors that we talk about, what's his face? Um, the guy from La La Land. Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling goes and learns how to play the piano. Yeah. We talk about how Russell Crowe goes and learns how to play the cello for uh, Master, Master Commander. Commander. They can do that. They can go learn how to play a sport. I mean, I'm sorry, but it just, it bugs the crap out of me. Anyone, like, it doesn't have to be somebody from the NFL or the MLB. Yeah. Just go anywhere. There's minor yeah. league teams all over the place. Yeah. I, Oh, I can't stand that. I hate that. <laughs> How do I bet? Like it, cricket. It's so obvious. Cricket, right? It's so no, obvious it's sometimes. It's so obvious sometimes. You're just like, you don't know how to play. You don't know how to throw a ball. Are you standing behind the plate to bet? It's just yeah. so obvious. <laughs> and it's it throws me out of the movie so much. I hate it. Um, I'm a little disappointed you didn't like this movie. I'm sorry. I, I, I shouldn't say that. It's okay. You don't have to like every single movie. I'm a little disappointed that you said that wasn't list worthy. It's list worthy. These movies are list worth. Does anybody know? I'm going to take you back to the Scott Weinberg. No, does any, <laughs> I mean, that's the whole point of this podcast is to, is to introduce movies to people that maybe they, I think this is a movie that people should go back and watch. I know I'm getting to the point where why do you think it's forgotten? But right. Why do you, well, you picked it. So why do you think it was forgotten? Because I, I probably because of the same reason you had, you just couldn't connect. Maybe. I don't know. It just got lost in the shuffle. It's in the, it's in January 31st, 1986. You know, it's not really the greatest time to have movies pop out. You also have to note, like, Robin Williams and Kurt Russell are in bigger films around this time that are going to completely wash away this movie. Yeah. You know, you talk about Big Trouble in Little China. You got Good Morning Vietnam coming up for him. You've got um, just, I think this is after, yeah, obviously he was just Mork and all that stuff. And Oh, this is way after yeah. Mork, yeah. No, but I'm saying, like, he's in bigger roles. He's after in Garp. bigger movies. He's in bigger roles. So it was Kurt Russell. You know, the, uh, the thing was 82. Um He's big uh, trouble, little China. Big trouble, little China just happened. I believe. Yeah, like so. He's in bigger films. Although big trouble, little China wasn't as big on in movies. It's a, it's a cult classic. Yeah. yeah, but still, he's in movies that are escape that are, from L, uh, yeah. New York. He's in big movies, big movies, and I think they kind of overshadow the smaller films. And I they, would agree because I had never heard of this movie right. until you put it on the list. So I definitely agree that that's probably right. Why? If you like Ron Shelton films, if you liked Bull Durham, Tin Cup. Uh, White Man Can't Jump, these sports movies that he does. This movie has the same writing style like that. I think, like I said, there's a lot of scenes. I know Butler said he didn't laugh at a lot of scenes, but there's a lot of lines in here that you miss real quick if you're not paying attention. Like when Jack's at the dinner table with his wife and they're fighting and she's like, I don't want to talk about Dick Buckus at the dinner table again, like stuff like that. It's just there's a lot of lines in this movie where at first glance you might miss it. But if you've seen it, if you kind of like just kind of watch it again or it, it, they, they're funny, uh, but regardless, uh, I mean, it's fine. You don't, you don't have to like everything I like. It's fine. I understand. Oh, cool. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Shut up. All right. So why don't you tell everyone where they can find us? You can find us at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. You can also find us on the social medias, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all those good things at Forgotten Cinema Pod or Forgotten Cinema Podcast. We post every day of the week and we also do commercials on Thursdays that are pretty fun. You should check out maybe. Uh, that's uh, my spiel. Oh, also listen to us wherever you get your podcast. Rate, review, and subscribe. It helps us out a lot. And we'll be back next week. We're going to be traveling forward to 2004. Where we're going to do King Arthur, the Clive Owen King Arthur, which I think I saw, but I don't remember. So I hope you like it. No, you know what? I hope I don't. I hope it's you major retribution. You've already not liked enough of mine. I know, you're right. <laughs> I, I don't remember. Honestly, 
I keep confusing it with the Richard Gere one, which was not called King Arthur. That was first night. Yeah. This is more historical. That's more fantasy. Yeah, no, no, no. I, like I said, I can't remember if I saw it, but that's fine. If I see something I haven't seen, that, that works too. Gotcha. So that's next week, King Arthur 2004. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. Call time out. When you're, when you, when you're that far behind, I, just call time out. I already out. explained let's, let's that, go. that you didn't see the whole yeah. second half, so, you know. Also, somebody missed uh, uh, an extra point somewhere. Oh, we didn't see that. That kind of bothered me, too. When I saw the score, I was like, oh, so someone missed an extra point. Okay.